Keyboard Kimura podcast is brought to you by OneBone. If you're a bigger guy like me, chances are you've had problems finding shirts and gear that fits properly. The length is there, the sleeves are too wide, and the fit is all boxy. The sleeves are good, the shirt is a little too short, meaning your belly or your butt sticks out, which nobody likes. OneBone is the answer. The gear is made of 95% cotton and 5% spandex, meaning you get a little stretch and it fits right in all the right places. There's length to cover your gut and your butt with a number of different designs, styles, and colors to give you a complete wardrobe of good-looking gear that makes you feel comfortable and stylish every day. And as a supporter of this podcast, OneBone is offering you 10% off your next purchase with the promo code ESK10. That's my initials, E-S-K, all capitals, and the number 10. Just go to their website, onebonebrand.com, check out all the gear, figure out your size with their terrific sizing guide, and get yourself into some fresh new gear this summer and become a part of the growing One Bone community. One Bone, the biggest brand. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday at about 9.20. Taping this nice and early because it is a chaotic week here in Abbotsford, British Columbia, at the Kite household. I, of course, am the SK, friendly neighborhood Spencer Man. We are moving this week. We are moving on Thursday. And so I am trying to be as diligent and as focused and organized as possible. And that means jumping on here and getting this done nice and early, trying to get it done pretty quickly as well. Um, What I want to talk about this morning, what I want to talk about today, um, because we have... Before we get to sort of UFC 277 later this week, we have Dana White's Contender Series returning on Tuesday. And prepping for that, so full disclosure, I do recaps. I do previews and recaps for Dana White's Contender Series. I also do recaps for the Ultimate Fighter for the UFC website. So before anybody does the like, ah, you're just being a shill. I'm not. I, I believe all of the things I'm about to say, regardless of the fact that I generate household revenue and pay for watching those particular programs. So what I'm about to say is this. It's always interesting to me when I see things in my timeline of people saying, is anybody watching this? Like who watches this? Did anybody pay attention to this? For things like The Ultimate Fighter, which just wrapped up uh, last week, the finale is going to be Next weekend, so not this Saturday at UFC 277, but the following week, the main event is Tiago Santos and Jamal Hill. Then you have the two finale fights, the heavyweight fight for the men, flyweight fight for the women, and so on. And we get contenders on on Tuesday, tomorrow. It's always interesting to me when people do the like, is anybody watching this? Because they don't understand what the, what it is you're trying to, what people are trying to convey outside of just like I'm not and you're uncool if you are and those things never make sense to me um I don't I don't get the whole I can't believe anybody is watching this why it's fights I like fights um I would I would watch it even if it wasn't my job even if it wasn't part of my you know paid responsibilities because I enjoy fights and and for me, it's, I mean, look, it's its way beyond that. And so we'll get into it. The Ultimate Fighter and Dana White's Contender Series are opportunity vehicles, right? And as somebody that covers this sport, as somebody that pays 
such close attention to the UFC and athletes in particular, I want to get introduced to these athletes as early as I can in their journey so that I can see the progressions, so that I can track improvements, so that I can understand the changes and shifts and who they were at the start and now they're training here and we've seen this elevator. This was their base skill and now we're we're getting to something else. To me, these two programs combine to sort of be the UFC version of the NFL or NBA draft, right? It's an opportunity to get a bunch of fresh talent in the door that you can then make an assessment of and determine whether they have a place and give them opportunities to show whether they have what it takes to stick at this level. Now, the criticisms. The Ultimate Fighter is absolutely stale. There is no denying that. The actual formula of the series and the rollout of each event is stale. It's not as bad as it was sort of back in the day when, you know, sort of those mid-seasons, probably let's say 16 through 28, where you knew you were going to get somebody drunk in the house and there was going to be a blow up and there were going to be pranks. It hasn't been that bad the last two seasons. It has mostly been, truthfully, focused on getting to know these athletes and telling you more about these athletes, which, ironically, is something that the same critics that say, who's watching this and why is this still on, beg the UFC to do more of. So those opportunities are there. You're just not seeing them. Yes, the format is stale, as I said, but it's still interesting fights. The last two years, the fights in the house have actually been pretty competitive, pretty intriguing. We've seen some some reasonable talents matriculate through to the UFC from this program. And I think the competitors this season that are in the finals um, in a couple weeks' time are actually going to be people that tend to stick around the UFC a little bit and get a little bit of an opportunity. One, because there's a couple of them that I feel are really polished and, and really ready to have an impact and, and be kind of mid-pack or better fighters in their respective division. And the other two are, are prospects that I think have a chance to sort of work some things out and maybe get a little better. To me, it's it's just one of those things that, and, and in terms of contender series and in terms of the criticisms of contender series, sorry, allow me to get to that. I understand that people see it as this way to cull large amounts of the roster that are being paid much greater salaries than the current crop of fighters coming off of Dana White's contender series. Well, I don't think it has been clearly, it has not been a one-to-one sort of bring in and release program. One comes in the door, one goes out the door. We've certainly seen instances where tenured fighters on larger contracts with larger pay have been released because there are greater numbers of fighters on the roster overall. Through the five seasons of Dana White's Contender Series, there have been 115 contracts handed out. There are roughly... There are just above 70 fighters from the first four seasons, plus the little three-week all-Brazil season that happened in 2018, still on the roster, plus everybody from last year, which was 39 fighters. So just over 100 fighters. I think it's exactly 111 fighters from five-plus seasons that have made it in. There have not been 111 
highly paid, familiar names ushered out the door as a result of these athletes coming in. Now, I agree that this is a way to get cheaper labor. I, like everyone else, want to see athletes paid more. I want to see every athlete earn more money than than they do. I wish that there was a base salary for every UFC athlete. I wish we got, got rid of show money and win money. I wish the base salary numbers, base pay numbers went up. I want everybody to make as much money as possible. And I want everybody to have the opportunity to compete on the biggest stages and earn as much money as possible. So I'm not advocating for, hey, look, this makes all kinds of sense. It does make sense from a business standpoint. And I want to acknowledge that because I feel like people just want to pile on all the time and just say, this is terrible. It's business. It's it's literally what businesses do all the time. Now, I'm not going to get deep into this happens in other sports regularly because other sports have collective bargainings and unions and things like that where their athletes are taken care of better. So it is by no means an apples to apples comparison. But the Contender Series and, and to a lesser extent, the Ultimate Fighter isn't just this funnel of new talent that creates a way to get rid of old talent. It is a way to absolutely bring in new names, but that's what the that's what the UFC should be doing. That's what you know sports franchises do every year. As I said, this feels to me like the the version, the UFC version of the draft. You have these 10 weeks for Dana White's contender series with five fights. So you get a look at uh let's do the quick math here. 10 fighters a week, 10 weeks, 100 fighters. And you get a chance to decide from these 100 fighters who wins, who loses, who's who's worthy of being in the UFC, who do we want to give a shot to? And yep, they've been giving out contracts a lot more freely over the last few years. I think part of that is because there's been a need to have more available talent given the landscape of the world, given the situation our world has been in. The other part that's interesting to me about it from the is anybody watching this standpoint and sort of the lamentation that nobody pays attention to tough and bemoaning the contender series for what it is is that in five seasons or in four seasons because it's very hard it's very difficult to judge sort of where people coming off the show last season are at in terms of their development and progression and future in the UFC but through four seasons plus that all Brazilian mini season the show has actually produced quite a few talented ranked competitors it's produced a number of intriguing prospects it's been the launch point for some of you know the biggest the biggest names in the sport right now truthfully Sean O'Malley is one of the biggest stars in the UFC and he wouldn't be there if he didn't get to the UFC through this platform. If Sean O'Malley had just continued fighting on the regional circuit and gone out and won a title in LFA, even if it was the most viral knockout of all time and he did all the same things, if you just took his fight with Alfred Kashakian from the Contender Series 
and put it in an LFA cage. You've stripped away Snoop Dogg and Uriah Faber on the alternative call. You've stripped away Dana's reaction. And he just had that fight under the LFA banner or in CFFC or in Ring of Combat or any other kind of quality regional promotion. He doesn't hit the UFC with as much momentum and steam as he has. And therefore, his rise to where he is now is nowhere near as quick. We know this because we've seen that in abundance, right? Charles Johnson that fought last weekend or two days ago now in London against Muhammad Mikhaev was the LFA light flyweight champion. He won it and defended the belt twice. And there was very few people who were aware of who Charles Johnson was. And if you want to say, well, Sean O'Malley, bigger personality, it would have resonated, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm going to call bullshit because we've seen lots of good personalities and vibrant people come through regional promotions and not instantly resonate with the UFC audience, especially not in the way that, that Sugar has. And yes, he is a an outlier among outliers because his personality is that big and that vibrant and that boisterous. And he's cranked it up to 11 since getting to this stage, right? There's more tattoos. There's more color in the hair. There's more flamboyance. It's, it's been ratcheted up. Like Patty Pimblett has always been the guy that we've seen through these first three UFC fights. Sean O'Malley has become an increased, a hyper version of who he was prior to Dana White's Contender Series. But if you don't think that that platform and that win in that moment with those surroundings helped expedite this rise and helped accelerate this rise, you're kidding yourself. But it's not just sugar, right? Dana White's Contender Series is where Johnny, Johnny Walker came from, Tyler Santos came from, Marina Rodriguez came from, Tiago Moises came from. Alex Perez, who fought for the flyweight title against Davison Figueredo a couple years ago, came from. Grant Dawson, who is 6-0-1 in the UFC now, came from. Um, Edmund Shabazian, Sadiq Youssef, Jimmy Crute, Macy Barber, Ryan Spann. I mean, I've, I've got them all written out in front of me because I did nerd stuff over the previous week getting ready for this week. And it's just like, it's it's staggering to me the number of people that have come through here that this was, this was the launch point. This was the point where you got a chance to see them and connect early. Like Sadiq Youssef to me is a perfect example of a guy that benefits greatly from this platform and benefits greatly from the push that comes with being on this platform. He went into his fight on the Contender Series as the underdog. He was paired off with Mike Beast Boy Davis, who is now in the UFC and, and very much a dangerous fighter. Got a win over Mason Jones last year. Has been hurt since, but get well soon, Beast Boy, and get back because we want to see those hands. But Sadiq went in and had a great fight. Used a lot of low kicks, showed off his quick hands, gets a victory, gets into the UFC, and has been largely successful. The only loss he's had thus far. It's to Arnold Allen. We know the caliber of Arnold Allen. But coming through that platform meant that his next couple fights, his first couple fights in the UFC, got a little bit more attention 
than they would have if he was just a guy that came in. I make the comparison with Sean O'Malley and Corey Sandhagen a lot because the timing of their arrivals in the UFC is pretty similar. Sean made his debut a couple months earlier. Sandhagen made it in January of, I believe, 2018. I don't have it up in front of me, and I, I think that's correct. First season of Contender Series was 2017, so that, that would be correct, I believe. And Sean had all the hype because he came off this program, because he came off that platform where people were exposed to him, where people saw him, where people had Snoop going crazy. And obviously the Snoop influence just supercharges things for Sean O'Malley. But Corey Sanhagen was a quality prospect that came from a very good gym with the Elevation Fight Team and had better first two performances in the UFC than Sean O'Malley did. But this program and this push that he got by being on this platform accelerated his climb through the ranks faster than Corey Sandhagen was able to initially, right? There was more attention on Sean O'Malley and more talk about Sean O'Malley than there was on Corey Sandhagen and about Corey Sandhagen through those initial couple fights. Then when Sean got hurt and he was sidelined, Corey Sandhagen took off and, and passed him and has subsequently well ahead of him at this point. Now we'll see what happens when when Sugar fights Piotr Jan here in a couple of weeks' time. And, and if he gets that win, they'll be probably pretty close to each other. But it just speaks to the value and the impact that these programs have and can have when it comes to elevating fighters and giving them an opportunity. Now listen, it's absolutely self-serving for the UFC to give fighters from Dana White's Contender Series main card placement and a little bit better of a push, right? We've seen it over these last few years, the number of times that people have said, why is this fight or this particular person on the main card? And the answer is often that they've come through one of these UFC properties as opposed to getting to the UFC, quote unquote, organically. And I understand it. It's in their interest to continue to, to showcase the athletes that come off these shows to make them appealing to future groups of athletes that want to get the same opportunities and the same push and the same chance to be on main cards fast or be showcased a little bit quicker. But as people that watch and cover this sport, to me, watching this thing and paying attention to this thing for, for 10 weeks in now we're getting back to it being in the summer, which is nice. The fall, the last couple of years is a no brainer because there's so much good talent and so many people that fall into that. Where did this person come from? Oh, they came out of nowhere that you get exposed to early, right? Everybody was tripping over themselves with Kevin Holland in 2020 when he has his five wins in seven months. And there was a whole lot of this guy came out of nowhere, but he didn't. He came off the contender series. He fought Will Santiago in season one and did what Kevin Holland does. He played with his food. He talked a lot during the fight. He didn't look particularly impressive and he didn't get a contract. Now, Kevin Holland will spin that to say, I didn't want one because I didn't, I thought I would have to do USADA testing right away and I would pop for weed and then I wouldn't be able to fight in the UFC and yada, yada, yada. And people wanted to use that at the start of last year when those, you know, 
VTs came out of Dana White didn't sign this guy because he didn't like the way that he was yapping during during his fight and things like that as a way to criticize Dana and his his talent evaluation skills, which is hilarious because there's plenty of other people that you can point to as the like hit or miss of Dana White's talent evaluation, that it doesn't have to be Kevin Holland who did not look good in his contender series fight. And it shows that you didn't watch it when you were critical of Dana not signing him from his contender series fight because he did not look good. I actually did watch it. He did not look good. But like, this is where those people came from, right? This is where Macy Barber came from. This is where, you know, Adrian Yanez came from. This is where Irosh Medic, this is where Dustin Jacoby started his renaissance. This is where, you know, there have been people that, that have gotten maybe a greater opportunity because of a connection or, or a look because of where they train. You know, it happens all the time. We get guys like Carlos Holberg that get a chance. We've got Blood Diamond fighting this weekend at UFC 277. Two guys from City that got a chance because they are from City Kickboxing. But it it's been such a... It really has produced some quality talent. Like, this is where Jamal Hill came from. This is where Billy Quarantillo came through. Right? After being on The Ultimate Fighter and not getting a look coming off of that season of The Ultimate Fighter when he was on Team Faber versus Team McGregor. He goes through Contender Series and gets a win and moves on to the UFC to where he's now 4-2 and two in the UFC and proven very much that he belongs here. Should be here. Is, is part of that featherweight ecosystem. This is where Andre Muniz came from. A guy that, again, came out of nowhere, air quotes. Nah, he came from the Contender Series. He put up a very good first-round submission win over a good American wrestler named Taylor Johnson in his debut. And it was the first time I saw him and I went, this is somebody I need to pay attention to. These opportunities are here to see fighters and to see talent. And yet... So many people that pay attention to this sport, that cover this sport, that want to discuss and dissect and and speak authoritatively about this sport, just dismiss these things. And it it never makes sense to me. It, it, it will not make sense to me. Now, look, I understand that it's difficult to dedicate two hours on a Tuesday evening when you've got all kinds of other things going on and, and every Saturday is dedicated or every Sunday morning is dedicated to watching fights. I get that part of it, 100%. But to just offhand dismiss this stuff as not having a place or as anybody watching it like it doesn't need to happen doesn't make sense to me. Because these are programs that are producing fighters and launching fighters in a quicker fashion than they would naturally, right? They are introducing people to the audience in a almost accelerated fashion than when they just work their way up the card slowly but surely winning fights. The criticism all the time is that the UFC doesn't do enough to give these athletes opportunities to shine. But if you sit and watch an episode of The Ultimate Fighter, or you watch an episode of Dana White's Contender Series, 
you get an introduction to these athletes. You get those video packages that say, I'm so-and-so from this place. This is how I got into it. This is my story. That's what everybody says they want. And these opportunities are there. And so I don't understand why there is this rush to criticize the thing you say you want over and over again. Let me reiterate that I understand the bringing in fresh talent, young talent, inexpensive talent to move out old. I get it. I understand that criticism of it. But I also see the quality fighters that have come up that have become vital pieces of their respective division and then those that have really excelled and gone on to become contenders we've had two title challengers out of the ultimate fighter thus not the ultimate fighter excuse me out of dana white's contender series thus far through five seasons should be three because marina rodriguez deserves a shot she shouldn't be fighting amanda lamos but i will talk about that at another date And the other part of it is in in terms of the like out with the old in with the new to just put it as as plainly as possible is that how many of those older fighters that have been let go that have been shown you know contracts not renewed or released or whatever the case may be were fighters that were actually and truly if we're if we're being honest about it at a point where they were declining. We're at a point where they're not anything more than a name that's sticking around, right? I'm, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be cavalier in my assessment of these athletes. But Jeremy Stevens, that was released last year, wasn't the same guy that fought for more than a decade and was a top 15 fixture across two divisions for more than a decade. And so replacing him on the roster or his roster spot with someone younger that is more competitive at this point that also has that ability to potentially climb the ladder and move past where Jeremy Stevens was when he was released makes sense to me. It's cold, it's brutal at times, sure, I get that part, but it also makes sense. And I feel like there are times where we don't want to acknowledge the this makes sense part of things. We don't want to acknowledge the this is what happens in a lot of other places because we just want to bag on the UFC for what they're doing. And again, I want everybody to get paid more. I want everybody to make as much money as possible. This isn't me shilling for the UFC. It's me shilling for the athletes that I want you paying attention to. More than anything. It's me wanting you to give these, op these programs a chance. So that these fighters don't have to go through four, five, six fights before people start understanding their talent or recognizing their talent. Because we've seen a bunch of fighters come right out of the gate as this is somebody you need to watch. 
And it's not just from a personality standpoint as it was with, with Sean O'Malley. Right? Macy Barber came out of the gate and was primed to be in the top 15. Now, she's had some setbacks and she's had to reset a little bit, but she's moving forward again. Sadiq Youssef, who I mentioned earlier. Andre Muniz, who I mentioned earlier. Dustin Jacoby has put together this winning streak to get to where he is. We need to be paying attention to these people. Marina Rodriguez, again, to mention her. These are platforms for showcasing these athletes and showing you these athletes and giving you an introduction to these athletes the way that everyone seems to say they want but never finds the time to invest in. And I think that's the part that that confuses me the most is that there's always the criticism of these people come out of nowhere and we're not given a chance to connect. We're not given a chance to know who they are. They're buried here. They're buried there. We don't know anything about them. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to care. You're given ample opportunity to pay attention to these athletes, to learn about these athletes. Because you choose not to isn't the same as I wasn't given the opportunity. You choosing not to watch Contender Series isn't the same as I didn't have a chance to learn something about Julian Marquez or Piera Rodriguez who came off last season or Jaelten Almeida who came off last season and has two wins in the UFC already and looks like an absolute monster. Those opportunities were there. You just didn't take them. And if you didn't take them because it's out of solidarity for older fighters who are going to be replaced by this new set that's paid less, I get it. But it also, to me, limits where those criticisms can come from. Changes what those criticisms can and should be. Critical of fighter pay, I'm right there with you. Critical of replacing somebody that's paid a whole bunch for somebody that's paid nowhere near as much. I understand the argument. But don't criticize these programs as having no value because they have absolute value. Could the Ultimate Fighter use a complete redesign and refresh? Of course it could. But you could say the same thing about any reality TV program that's been on for as long as they have. The Bachelor hasn't changed anything. Survivors made some little changes here and there, but it's for the most part the same thing. Big Brother is what it is. The MMA community just grew out of watching season after season of The Ultimate Fighter in a way that most other reality TV program communities haven't yet. My wife just spent several weeks going through the Kardashians. It's the same episode to me every every episode. Every season is the same, and yet many, many people want to watch it. And just in MMA, we say, ah, it's the same, and I, and I need fresh, and I get it. Believe me, I would love to see some innovation to how they do things. But the fights were still quality. The fights were still solid. I was still interested to see last season Brian Battle develop in sort of a Kelvin Gastelum kind of way. I was interested to see Ricky Tercios in some of these tough brawls that he was in in the house and Brady Heastad come along and this season see the, the heavyweights and the flyweights on the women's side. 
progress their way through to where I do, as I said, think there will be a few fighters from this season that stick around and have impact in the UFC. And not just because they're going to be paid less. Because they have talent. Because they have upside. Because they have experience. And so as we get ready to launch another season of the Contender Series tomorrow, as we get ready to kick off another finale for the Ultimate Fighter in a couple weeks' time, where there will absolutely be a whole bunch of people saying, I have no idea who these people are. Does anybody even watch the Ultimate Fighter anymore? Maybe you should. Maybe you should just give it a little, like, just fast forward through to the fights themselves. Skip all the bits that you don't like and just watch the fights. They take no more than 15 minutes. And most of them were pretty entertaining this season. Because these athletes are going to stick around. Whether you like the way they are getting to the UFC or not, they're getting to the UFC and they're becoming part of the fabric of this promotion and part of the fabric of this roster and pieces of all of these fight cards. And you're getting the opportunity to get to know them and get introduced to them early on from the jump. You can, you can be on these bandwagons from day one in the UFC and you can learn about these athletes and know their stories because you are being given on these programs a reason to care. The thing everybody says that they want from the UFC is being delivered. You're just not watching. You're just not taking the time to see that part of it. And I get it. We're all busy. We all watch a lot of fights. Sometimes it's difficult. But you can't knock the UFC for doing the thing that you want if you're not paying attention. If you don't have time. That's... That, those are different things. And these athletes that are coming through these programs, we're getting good fighters. We're getting quality fighters. And I know that, look, through, through four and a half seasons, four full seasons, five full seasons, hard to really judge the, you know, the results, as I said, of, of the people from season five thus far. But I mean, so far, they're, they're 25 and 16 in the UFC. And overall... Fighters coming off of, of Dana White's Contender Series are basically, for, for the whole, for everybody that has gotten a contract, they're 500 in the UFC. And I know some people are going to scoff at that, but like, that's not bad. It would be great if every single one of them panned out, but that's why I likened it to the NFL draft, right? You take a shot on some of these people. And for every Jorgen DeCastro that goes 0-3, you get an Andre Muniz that goes 5-0. and And so if you can hit on a few Andre Munizes, you're not looking to hit on 30, 40, 50%. That would be great. That would be, that would be amazing. And in season three, the group from season three is produced at a better clip than any. They're, they're 69 and 58 thus far in the UFC. Which again, doesn't sound like a huge, huge deal. But when you look at the, the volume of people, to have an Andre Muniz and a Tracy Cortez and a Tony Gravely and a Joe Selecki who's 4-1 and one, and a Brendan Allen who's 7-2 and two in the UFC coming off of that program, it balances out 
the athletes that went 0-2 or 0-3 in the case of DeCastro and Andre Ahoyo or Elon Cruz or somebody like that. These shows are producing talents that you're going to see on your television every Saturday. That at some point, one, two, four, eight of them are going to become contenders. That you're going to have to learn about and know about. And you're getting the opportunity to learn about them and know about them very early on. As you often request, as you often demand and want. And so I know it's hard. I've said it a few times now and, and I'm wrapping up because I'm getting to the point where I just repeat myself. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But there's opportunities here and these fighters deserve these opportunities and these showcases and it helps expedite the process of gaining traction and gaining visibility in the UFC, which is a difficult thing to do in today's landscape. And to everybody that, you know, posts, is anybody watching this? I am. And I wish more people were. Because these athletes deserve our attention. And these programs are providing you with all the things you say you want. 